Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Kevin, good to see you, my friend. Hey, good to see you. How you been? I'm doing well, thank you. And uh, and I know we got a chance to talk before we hit record. I'm glad your vacation went well and uh, you're nice and refreshed and renewed and ready to go. So, uh, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on after your vacation here. No problem, Drew. It was great to kind of, you know, it's important for all of us to take a break from our real life and just go somewhere else for a couple of weeks and just forget about everything as much as we can and come Absolutely. back refreshed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully you can take some of that vacation mode and and weave it in as a habit into your real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the challenge. That's the challenge. So, so, you know, we, in this show, you know, we talk about how life is not linear. I mean, we are told when we're young, if we do A, B, C, and D, it'll get us to E. It's a straight line. It's linear. And that's not true. There's always something that's going to come up that's going to uh, pose a challenge for us and shift our direction. And and with that, most of us have defining moments. And those defining moments are either recognized and ignored or recognized and followed through or something changes. And so at this point, we're going to, we are going to get to that point where you're going to explain to us that defining moment you had with me, which made you realize there is a better way to live. And so we're looking to see what that was and how you did it. So reach back as far as you want and think about that, that defining moment in your life that shaped who Kevin Juza is. Well, I'm going to go back about 20, no, not 20, uh, about 17 years ago. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward. I have awesome twin daughters. Okay. I have awesome twin daughters. And so it ends as a positive thing, but 17 years ago, my wife and I got married 23 years ago, and that was a very linear life. Yes, there were bumps in the road, but I just kept moving forward and things just kept progressing like I expected, you know, became a regional director for H&R Block. I was responsible for five states, 5,000 people, you know, huge budget. It was fun. It was easy for me. It was people connection. I loved it. Um, I loved what H&R Block did and all that kind of thing. I was in it and I was moving at the right pace. Right, right. And then- my wife and I already started family and this is a sensitive topic. So if there's anybody that has issues with infertility, I do, you know, I do take it very, um, I just want to say it. it's about that. So if you are connected to that in your life, I don't want to bring up something that you're not ready for. So I wanted to let you know, but my wife and I had infertility problems mm-hmm. and it was hard. Uh, we, you know, you think it's supposed to be easy, you know, to start a family because you, right. you've been looking forward to this your whole life, you know, growing up and getting to that point where you want to have your own kids. Of course. And we had, uh, we had two losses. We had the ba- heard the baby's heartbeats and we lost them. I'm sorry, Kev. Wow. And in that, I, at that point in my life, I actually, the best sales job I ever did in my life was I sold my wife to move from California to Minnesota. Mm. <laughs> Different. Right. Right. <laughs> She's born and raised California. Yep. We moved to Minnesota. So we're kind of all by ourselves yes. going through this. So it was, it was kind of a tough, tough time for us. Of course. Of course. Um, the last the the last baby we lost, you know, a week later, uh, my boss at the time at HR Block fired me or gave me a, a demotion opportunity. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I know those. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I'm do- what? What? <laughs> and there was no, 
you know, concern or empathy for me going through what I was going through. Even they were she, aware of the whole situation. They were aware of it. She sent me flowers a week before. And they still did that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I was really, I was down. You think about it. I poured my whole heart and my whole professional career into this company. I saw myself someday being the CEO, you know, yes, managing this, you know, being yeah. that influencer and that leader. Yeah. And then we go through this, we lock and here I am. And I lost Minnesota, middle of winter, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Ugh. so then had Kim basically finished her, her teaching year. And then yeah. We moved back to California. We wanted to get back to, you know, the roots. It didn't work out, so we just kind of went back. Yeah. And this was like, um, you know, trying to find a place to live now in in California. You know, it's yes. always kind of right. going right. leaving California is always great. Coming back is financially tough. Right. And so here we are. Uh, we're able. My wife was able to get back to the where she taught, and she we basically had one more chance for IVF under insurance. Okay. And she was reluctant. Hell of a roller coaster. Of course. Yeah. And this was the pivotal moment for me. I was like, you know, there's a reason we have one more chance. Mm -hmm. So let's take it as a blessing. And, and with, with as up as much optimism Mm -hmm. and belief that we can do, let's just be more relaxed this time. Let's just have fun. Right. Let's, you know, she did some yoga stuff. I, yeah. you know, I was doing whatever, just to kind of keep more lightheartedness in our, we actually bought a house in San Francisco. Okay. We actually got back in and, you know, we were, I got a job too. So we're back off of surf, surfing the sofas for my in-laws and family yeah. and friends and stuff. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, this is, we're going to do this. And we're going to think positively. Yeah. And then on a, on Valentine's day that year, we uh, found out we were pregnant. Oh gosh. Okay. And so that was, that was awesome. But that that's kind of when the mental frustration, fear, stress. Well, yeah. For us, because we've been here before. Right. Right. And so then on uh good Friday, which was actually my birthday, oh, hey. we had a sonogram and they were saying your hormones are kind of high. And, da, 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 da. and I was like, what does that mean? Does that mean? <laughs> this is different than what you're talking. What are you saying? Right. We think there's twins. Wow. And so they saw the son and we found that we had twin daughters and they were in the same sect. So we know they're identical. Okay. But that created some more complications because they were in the same sack. Right, right. They could swim around and hurt themselves, you know? Uh And so then then my wife was, you know, on the way of of getting through this and she was bedridden after like three months. So she was six months bedridden. Um. And so it was crazy, but out of nowhere, I got, re- cause at this point, Kim didn't want to go back teaching. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Like me, right? She wants to take right. some time off. Right. Well, I just had this big mortgage now over $8,000 a month mortgage in oh San Francisco. Gosh. And I'm like, so I went back to the company I was working at. And I, after my year, there were supposed to be opportunities for progression and they didn't give them to me. And so at the same time, fate had it. And I got recruited by a company to move down here to San Diego. Oh, okay. It's a great promotion. They covered all the sale of my house so I could get out from underneath the San Francisco Good. mortgage. Yeah. You know, it's so I was like, even though it's away from our family again and away from our community of Northern California, but it was in San, San Diego, beautiful place. And we moved down here and, uh, and we got, you know, my wife was still bedridden, sold the house while she was bed. It was crazy. Girls, girls weren't born. Okay. So this is they're not born yet. Born they're not born yet. 
these opportunities. Okay, this is great. Yeah, so the opportunity came in the middle yeah. of the pregnancy. Jeez. And the the our doctor was like, Kevin, you can't move her. You need to you need to go down there and go to where you'd have the baby and go look at the NICU and see what a see what a 40-day baby looks like. See what a 50-day baby, you know, do you want to have a baby that that one pound? Right. You can't move her at this time. Right. And so it got this really fearful and scared. I was, I'm not thinking like that. And we just kind of kept this optimism of what we we're doing and we we're just kind of rolling with what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, we moved down here and the babies, we I went up there Labor Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. For Labor me. Day. Perfect. I, <laughs> I snuck up, I drove up there, I flew up there, grabbed her and put her in her car. And then we just did straight down to San Diego and like nothing happened, you know, and, and just do it as fast as we can. So we had no problems, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we got into our little house, the little apartment thing we had for, for the relocation package. And, and we got her to San Diego and then we started to, you know, find our house. And, yeah. and then a month late, two months later, uh, Megan and McKenzie joined us in the world. Oh, so. God bless. You know, it, it's interesting because the, the fear tactics that are used on us often in many, many different arenas of our life, I mean, it's not, and it's not like the doctor consciously did a fear tactic. That doctor was probably just going by the book, you know? Right. Statistically, um, you got to do that. You got to, you exactly. got no options. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you didn't allow fear to, to control you. And right. I think that that probably had a lot to do with why you were able, your wife was able to conceive and then, right. You let, let yeah, yeah. stress. So lucky that it came and enjoy life, have fun. You know, the, the stress level might, I'm sure helped you know, the lower stress level. I'm happy, yeah. so happy for you guys. And all work, that's kind of where my, the name of my, who I am or what I do is the tenacious yeah. leader. I love it. It's because you can't give up. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, I did some, some, you know, leadership stuff when I was managing teams and I always pulled up this, this, this uh, video of a, of a guy running in the 92 Olympics mm-hmm. and he was supposed to win and he pulled his hamstring on the back the back straightaway Uh-oh, yeah. and then he, he got up and had to finish the race right and then around the fourth turn coming down his father broke through and helped his son finish the race oh wow and so being a tenacious leader wasn't all about the runner finishing the race it was his dad dad yeah you know being there and say my son's gonna finish yeah absolutely absolutely Wow, that's a power. That's a powerful story, and you're and you're right about people think about the runner finishing with the father there to help him, help him cross that line. And you knew that you were going to be that type of father for your girls, right? Yep. And they're seventeen now. So tell me about um, you know that 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 shift in mindset going from you know believing the fear to conquering the fear. How that uh, helped you as you progressed a in your career and b as a dad and a husband. Yeah, you just um, when I started learning that basically taking tenacity and putting it as the verb in my life instead of the adjective to describe the past, right? I I wanted to just own own moving forward, and I'm not perfect by any means, but when I know when I'm getting when things aren't working the way they should be or could be or want to or being on that meandering path getting getting better, right? It t- it tends to come back to me getting in my own way having fear and doubt and worry. Right. And so we are so 
programmed to have such negative thoughts in our head that how do you, how do you really clean that up? And that's, that's my ongoing everyday kind of goal is how do I clean my head and just think about what the account, what can I do? What's, what's in my empowerment. And it's really me. It's the voice in my head. It's my direction. It's how I want to live my life and, and be there for my kids. It's so that's right now as the girls are twin girls are 17 or about to be 17, you know, I can't, I'm not the Superman no more. Yeah. You know, yeah. they made me take my cape off, fold it back up, put it away. I know. Hopefully I'll bring it out someday for grandkids. But right now it's, it's just, now I'm just a dad. I'm not a super dad no more. Yep. And I have to be there and listen more instead of, you know, so it's a changing a role in my life yeah. that I never really knew to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to be a, a father that's that's wants to be present in their mm, kids' life, and absolutely. you have to you have to adapt, and because they're also there's two different young ladies here, so they're two different approaches how they're seeing life too. That's so true. one minute I'll be over here coaching, counseling; the other one I'll be listening mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> and and not speaking because <laughs> yep. that's what they both want or need. They just want to know you're there. Ah, that's yeah. wonderful. So they, does that put them in their junior year? In high yep. school, okay, yeah, my my daughter's seventeen as well, so I I I know what it's like to have a seventeen year old daughter. It's <laughs> one of the best things in the world, though. You're, you're best you, friends, you, that father daughter like relationship, you can't ex- describe it unless you're in it, right? Yeah, and when you're a, I think the, the best leaders are ones that do have families, and I don't, I'm biased because I am a father, but right, right, you learn how, the best leaders are ones that, that the servant leader mm-hmm. uh, mentality truly comes from a good being a good parent because you can't really you have to serve you're there yeah. taking care of people and you want the best for them but you can't do it for them you have to just love them and provide for them right and you know and also you have to put your ego aside and realize that you can learn from your children just as much as they can learn from you uh, I can't tell you how many things I have learned from my three kids because I give them an opportunity to teach me. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's that's a benefit that a, some parents, many parents don't take advantage of is learning from their children, you know, and 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 people who have difficulty learning from their kids also have difficulty learning in the business world from people younger than they or right. less experienced. And, and in my professional life, I've learned a ton from people less experienced than I or or um, younger than I, everybody has something to offer, and I think you you're you're that's kind of like what you're explaining right here. Yeah, when I was when I was at H and R Block, so I was like 24 years old. Yeah, yeah. Managing so my first teams were right. you know 70 80 people, and their average age was 50 something. Right, exactly, and so they have to. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to to communicate and be also open to their experience learning from them while I was trying to show them that we can actually grow a business mm-hmm. um, and we can do it all together and, and creating some unity that they never had before. Right. And, and that was kind of great. But then there, there's that turn, that pivot where you're now the older person and you're like, mm-hmm. and now you're, you're being managed by younger people than you, or you're being, uh, or your staff is, truly you know really younger than you because they're out of college and and how do you adapt and welcome the gen z mentality the millennial approach of things yeah. that yeah. can really help us understand where we're going that's right uh, yep you got to be able to adapt to to that and yeah if, you, if you're in the 
industry for a while, you are at one point either going to report to or have reporting to you people in different generations. And you got to understand everybody learns differently or was brought up differently and you have to have an open mind. Absolutely. Um, question for you, Senior. When you were a 24-year-old manager, you know, I, I've suffered from imposter syndrome, you know, where you, you don't feel like you're good enough. Why are they going to listen to me? Did you did you um, encounter that feeling sometimes as a 24-year-old manager with the average age being 50, that the imposter syndrome, or did you always have that positive confidence in yourself that you were, over, were able to overcome that potential? Interesting thing. When I was 24, I had no idea what imposter syndrome was. Well, my, I was the man. I had, I, had the, I had the vision, the confidence, the communication skills, the charisma. Great. I had vision of what I wanted to do. And I brought people in and they thought they can connect with me. And I think other people that's got intimidated by my confidence. Right. Right. Because I was so young and having some really good success. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I wasn't aware of that yeah. in the moment, yeah. but I think imposter syndrome now comes now. That's what I was going to uh, suggest that, that it's, it's now it's, it's now it's the part where I'm trying to pivot and create a new life or yeah. COVID hit. I was in a corporate role and I was let go a week before it got to be a pandemic. Yeah. And so I was free falling and, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and a friend of a colleague of mine said, why don't you come help me with my consulting firm? And I right. helped him out and yeah. he was like, you can do this. I'm like, ah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> a whole fake it till you make it kind of a thing. And yeah. even though I could do it and he knew I could do it, right. I didn't know I could do it. And I was yeah. a full imposter yeah. syndrome. And yeah, it's good. You had somebody like that who can help, help you work on building up your confidence. Um, but I agree with you though. Um, the, at when we're children, we have these limitless beliefs that we can do anything. And there comes a time where somebody says, and you're an adult now. And in our minds, we're like, oh boy, I'm an adult now. I can't let that child, the inner child in me like blossom, which I think that is another myth that, uh, that we were sold because that inner child's always with us, right? right? The one that does the belly laugh and plays the practical jokes and all that. And for some reason, we're taught in this country to at a certain time, no, uh -uh, I'm an adult now. I cannot do these things. And I think that's what's hurting us, especially for men, because we don't laugh as much as we should. We don't cry as much as we should. We don't tell people our stories as much as we should. And men are dying younger. We need to start releasing some of this garbage inside of us and allow ourselves to live. And I think you you exude a lot of that. Um, you can still be that inner child and still be an adult and a good leader. And that, that has something to do with that tenacity because kids are tenacious. They are. And they're fearless. They're fearless. You know? <laughs> they're, they're fearless, fearless and tenaciousness together. Yeah. Woo! You can get a lot accomplished with that. You certainly you can. Because we're just uh, a friend of mine, a coach, a friend of mine that we were talking last night and we're, where he's like, do you know how many things happened in the Jetsons that are actually real now? Mm. <laughs> it's a love watching that show. Zoom YouTube. is real, but that was a, a Jetsons robot. thing, you yep, know? Yep, yep. Virtual, virtual doctor appointments. Mm -hmm. These are like, you go now the question came, was it our, was it the thought of that movie that made it come true? Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. was that, was that the spark that took the engineers that says, you know, we could do that. We could yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. Before, you know, so I think it is, it's everything is going to, everything we see is going to come one day because we can think about it. Yep. When you have that thought, yeah. are you tenacious enough, fearless enough to make it happen mm -hmm. or to give it a try? It's true. Everything does start with a thought. 
that next step is that tenacity or that or that willingness to actually take action. Right. Yeah. No, it's very, very true. You know, it, it it's interesting too with the the whole imposter syndrome. I it 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 makes sense that kids don't have that because when you think about our brain, you have that prefrontal cortex, right? The part that's judgment and decision making, you know, the thinking part doesn't mature for men until they're about in their 30s anyway. So, and I think that around 30 is that makes about, that's about right. Yeah. And right around 30 <laughs> is where we start to say, what am I going to do with my life? And then around 50, you're like, what's my legacy? So a lot of the stuff is, is science-based. So, so bring me, so now what do you tell us what you're doing now? And then uh, I got a couple of questions for you. Sure. Well, I am um, 2018. I actually, was in transition, mm-hmm. and um, I actually ran for public office. You did, all right. I okay. did. I, I, I've always wanted to do it. I remember sitting in my dad's, my parents' house when I was right before I left to college. He goes, "What do you want to be?" I said, "I want to be a senator someday." Hey. Why a senator? Because that's the longest tenure job you can get. You there know. We go. <laughs> so, so I, I ran for school board because somebody, ref, you know, thought said, you know, you should try to do this to help the community out because I was very active with my kids in school and stuff. Yeah. And then I ran into a, a meta person who kind of was a, a a coach and and a life coach, and it it hit me. It's like that's what I do. Yeah. I, my success from H and R Block to everything I've done all the way is I always coached people. When I was at flipping burgers at Wendy's when I was 14, 15 yeah, years old, right. I became a shift leader within weeks. There you you know, and it's like it's kind of you come to be a coach and a supporter. That's kind of what you you are. Yeah. Um, and so. I did some, I started studying four years ago, five years ago, how to be a coach mm-hmm. and got certified in doing that. And then that consulting process came along. Mm-hmm. So currently what I do is I help, I help founders who uh, are the number one salesperson who need to scale and they got to stop selling. And so mm-hmm. I help them put in place their, um, their sales teams. Because okay. I love working with the young youth to try to get them ready because they're the right. future CEOs. They got to learn how to you have to learn how to sell an idea or a thought or a product so you can influence and lead in the future. So I enjoy that chance to kind of help them build their future company by working with that, that group. And then in addition, I love, I just love coaching like people own franchises. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of businesses that are going to be shutting down soon, if they don't find somebody to buy them. Right. That's true. It's so, so you're having a way to build up leadership within their company so they can actually transition it to somebody else in their family or neighborhood so they can keep that business going. Um, so I basically, I just love helping, I help businesses keep going, growing and, and going. I love that. I love that because, you know, I, I owned a franchise for three and a half years and I really wasn't, I could have utilized somebody like you, uh, could have, should have, would have. Um, <laughs> That's like how you I, learn, right? I like That's how I you learn. learn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. couple questions. Sure. Uh, first question is, you're sitting down with young seven to ten year old Kevin. He's cute. He is cute, and he and he's, <laughs> saying, he's saying, uh, "Older self, Kevin, I I'd like some uh, advice on life. What are you going to tell young Kevin? Don't be afraid to start your own business, and the sooner you do it, the better off you'll probably be in the long run." Because my mom and dad, they worked for H&R Block. They were 50, 40 plus years, 45 years with H&R Block. My dad has the big grandfather clock in his living room, you yeah. know, yeah. for being there for so long. Yeah. 
My mom owned a, was a tax professional te- with HR. So I, it's in my blood. Yeah, right. You know, so I was in that mindset. I got to get a job. I got to get a job. And then when I lost that job, I got to get another job, like, you know, security, yeah. safety. Exactly. And I, I wasn't built in a family that was all about, you know, you can own your, you can have your own, you can create your own security and safety with your own business. Right, right. And if I would have figured that out sooner without fear, right, you build off that tenacity that I talk about now, I think it'd be a very interesting place I'd be living right now. Wow. I love that advice. All right. Uh, put on a different hat. Now you're sitting with young Kevin, the young entrepreneur or businessman, and now he's asking for some advice on business. What are you going to tell that young Kevin? Mm. You can't go it alone. Mm. You can't, you have to, even though you were successful in your professional career and you kind of were on your own leading in, in front of everybody and driving things forward, when you own your own business, you have to bring people in. Yep. You can't do it yourself. You have to have an accountant. You have to have, you know, a, a coach or a business or a mentor or somebody to help you still stay accountable. Yes. Um, it's amazing. My, my, I always thought my dad would be my business mentor, mm-hmm. but now he's like, I don't want to fucking talk to that stuff. He's my <laughs> That's, no, that's okay. okay. That's cool. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't want to, I just I want to talk about my tractor. I'm going to go on a tractor ride next I week. Love you know? it. I'm yep. going uh-huh. to go to the uh-huh. Legion and sell 50 fifties, you know, but I don't want to talk about business. That is so I'm like, huh? So I, I learned that. Yeah, you got to yeah. find your mentor. You got to find yeah. people that, um, you know, if uh, there's a, um, there's a coach out there, Rich Lichman, who says, if you're, if you're the smartest man in your room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, I love, I that. love that yeah. quote. And I'm, I see that now as like, okay, I need to be in the room that has the right people around me to yes. influence me, to keep me going. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, that's kind of so where we met too, Drew. That's yeah. Actually, who, who, who introduced Keegan, I believe. Who was it? Was it Keegan? Let me see. I think it was Keegan Schaefer. I, I always like to, yeah. I've been doing that now, looking up to yeah. see who introduced. I think it was no, it was Kevin. It was Coach Key, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me see. Sorry, audience. I just gotta yeah. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Coach Keeg. Um, so all right, now the audience has gotten to understand the essence of Kevin Juza, and they're gonna want to reach out to you. Uh, make it easy for them. Tell them how they can contact you. Just go to the tenacious leader.com. You know, that's the best way to, there's always that reach out to me thing. There's a calendar in there too. If you want to just meet, have a coffee with me, you know, that's the best place to go. My contact information, everything's there. It's Kevin at the Tenacious Leader. I'd love to talk to people. I love connecting with people and see how I can help them, service of them in any way I can. Um, And if if they have any questions about sales, life, parenting, I love it. Bring it on. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. Um, I'm grateful you're in my life and that we're friends and we'll be talking a lot more. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing some wonderful things and uh, keep smiling and keep being tenacious. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.